<clears throat> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Optional Opinion. I'm your host, ADV. Thank you guys for joining me. It is part two of today's or kind of this week's topic um, about uh, racism and uh, stereotypes in video games and if they could be overlooked because of good sales. Um I had a great discussion in part one with Jared Green, so you guys should check that one out if you missed it. But I have another perspective coming from the one and the only from Kiss Kiss Gang Gang Podcast, Miss Jessica Howard, or Mrs. Jessica Howard, right? Or Miss? Oh, no, just Miss right now. <laughs> just Miss, okay. Miss Jessica <laughs> Howard from Kiss Kiss Gang Kiss Kiss Gang Game Podcast. It's a it's a mouthful. <laughs> Hello. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited about this. I love like one of my favorite things to talk about with games is kind of um like the social ramifications and like stereotypes and race and gender in games. So it's so cool to get to talk to you about this. Yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, before we go on, would you uh, just give us some of your gaming history? And if you want to let people know what Kiss Kiss Game Game is all about, go ahead. Oh, for sure. Um, so, oh gosh, my gaming history. I mean, I I literally have photos of me being like four years old in my little like maybe even younger, maybe like three or two or three in my like little uh, playpen as a baby holding a Super Nintendo controller. Oh, so like wow. I've been playing. <laughs> yeah. So I've been playing games for a long, long time. Um, and uh, I guess whenever people ask my favorite game, I usually go Final Fantasy VII. I'm a sucker for RPGs. I love the uh, Mass Effect series and Legend of Zelda. Those are some of my favorite games. Um, yeah, but I, I play a lot of different types. So, um, big fan of the video games. Um, as far as what Kiss Kiss Game Game is, that was kind of a way for, um, me to include, like, and you know how I talked about, um, earlier in this, like, liking the aspect of, like, gender and, um, and, like, the social aspects of gaming. So this is yes. kind of, it's not necessarily as heavy as that, but we talk about relationships in mind and how relationships in games go hand in hand. Um, so we have people kind of write in with different things going on in their life or like some of the craziest things I've ever done, you know, just, just things like that. And we, um, we look at a game, we talk about the game as a whole, kind of go into the different relationships in the game and what that means and how we can apply that to real life. So that's, that's what that game or not game. That's what the, uh, that podcast kind of does. Uh, well, before we get into that, I want to ask you because I did a I did a uh, episode about this, um, The Last of Us and Heavy Rain, and oh, yeah. um, the relationship between uh, Joe and Ellie, correct? Joe and Ellie, yeah. and uh, The Last of Us. I felt like that don't really connect compared to the relationship that Jason and the dad from Heavy Rain had. Bruce, stop. Sorry, my dog barked. Oh, no. <laughs> so you, wait, no. you think that the relationship in um, The Last of Us doesn't connect as well as the one in Heavy Rain? Yes. I, I felt like Heavy Rain's uh, story and purpose between uh, the dad and his son was was more convincing and more, like, understanding. And it's just like, oh, wow, like the way that it, uh, it was just planned out. And I just feel like The Last of Us was just like, no, you you set this thing up for whatever to set this game up and you really try to get players to replace Ellie with the daughter even though yeah. we don't have no connection with that daughter you just really place her in to do a, a emotional effect and I wanted to ask how do you view that 
Well, so to be honest, I actually have never played Heavy Rain. I've played The Last of Us a bit, um, and, and like I've seen that whole game played out. I actually I haven't beat it myself, but I watched my fiance beat it, um, and I've played I don't know quite quite a bit of it. Um, but I haven't played Heavy Rain, so I don't know about the dynamic in that. But as far as The Last of Us goes, um, I do get what you're saying because I think that what they try to do um, with The Last of Us is, like, obviously you have, like, that kind of cold open for, like, the first, like, five, ten minutes of the game. I think about, probably about five. Um, And in those five minutes, they kind of do, like, what the first thing that comes to mind is, like, the movie Up does, where, like, you never meet, like, the wife in Up, but, like, they try to give you, like, that look inside the life so you kind of, um, like, feel for that person. And, like, they try to make it to where in the first five minutes when that person dies, like, they want you to feel. And so... I think for some people, um, the open of The Last of Us is one of the most emotional moments in games for them, but I completely understand how it's like, if that misses the mark for you, and you don't feel that emotional connection in five minutes, it kind of will hurt the game and the relationships in the game, because you don't, like, there's nothing, it's like, okay, well, I met her for five minutes and she's gone, what's, you know, like, now what? And, and, and just to set everybody up for Heavy Rain, so... You start as the dad, uh, before you even lose Jason, you start up with the dad and your wife and your two boys and they're playing in the yard and you're, and they're getting connected and you know, uh, you're a dad not trying to choose between the two, but you know, you're doing these kind of like family things with the boys. So they're giving your character a connection on why he loves them. When they get mm-hmm. to the, when they get to the mall and Jason ends up, uh, getting kidnapped or uh and then you see him the way that he dies it that connection that you did in the beginning that character development it kind of shocks you surprised you just be like okay i got more understanding on why this character is going through depression because you actually got to interact with the boys mm-hmm. and, and and then uh the last of us you don't really get to interact with the daughter yeah, it's pretty much like I think what she gives you, like the watch that she got you for your, you know, gets you for your birthday, um, and then like that's that's pretty much the only real interaction there. Yeah. Um, and it kind of just depends on you. It, like, it's, it kind of it's like one of those things to where like if it doesn't hit you, like they don't they don't give it a lot of like room to hit everybody. You know what I mean? Like you have to kind of emotionally connect to that. Uh-huh. And I think part of the reason maybe is, and like I, I don't know for sure, but like me being a girl and like, you know, and like having like the relationship of like the father daughter thing can maybe, you know, be a little bit more impactful for other people playing who are like also daughters, you know? Um, whereas maybe, you know, having the relationship with father and son for you and heavy rain, like maybe that's, you know, like you kind of get that and you're like, okay, yeah, that reminds me of my dad and I, you know, like when, when we would hang out and stuff. So it's hard because when, when a game tries to, to strike and make it personal and make you feel for something, especially in a short amount of time because one of the characters dies, it really has to hit home for somebody. And you can't always 100% hit home for everybody. Yes, that is true. Well, I just wanted to talk, because you talk, spoke about relationships. I'm just like, and that came to my mom, like, I want to get her viewpoint on this question. Yeah, uh, no, so, that's super cool. I'll have to play Heavy Rain. I've heard nothing but good things about it. So yes. I'll have to try it out. So, um, everybody, just to let you know that uh, on Optional Opinion, I did an episode with Josh Brent, um, and we talked about Heavy Ray and the connection because he's a dad with sons. So I I tried to uh, have a discussion about how does a, a father play a game like that when you're losing a child? 
Oh, yeah. I bet that was a great discussion. Yeah, so we talked about that. But we're going to get into this discussion because we're about to do a whole different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I want to start out with the first question. Um, How do you view character race and their placement in the game? So for me, um, I think that there is room. It's just so hard. Um, There is room to have stereotypes and and things like that in games when I feel like they're done satirically. Mm -hmm. um, And they're more deconstructing kind of a societal idea that we have about a race or a gender or something like that. Maybe, you know, kind of breaking down things. Um, But for me personally, if I know a game, um, you know, puts different races or genders in a box and kind of makes them behave a certain way that's in line with like negative association about the race or the gender, it does deter me from playing. You know, I'm not one of those people who thinks like, oh, we should ban it. You know, I think that everybody has um, the right to, to make whatever game they want to play. And I think people have the right to play whatever game they want to play. Um, just me as a consumer, it's one of those things to where um, it does deter me from buying a game. Okay. Uh, I was thinking of uh, House of the Dead Overkill because you mean like satirical and uh, it, you know it kind of has this like 60s, 70s kind of vibe like a black exploitation kind of vibe to it and like there's just so much cussing and stuff and you you play between a, a white guy and a black guy and you know it's just it's just too much but it's kind of over the it's, it's meant to be over the top yeah, yeah, and I feel like when you have something that's kind of like the over the top like that, mm-hmm. then that can be, um, yeah, and it's hard too because I like in my opinion, I think stuff like that can be humorous. It's just hard because you know maybe the person next to me doesn't think that. Um, but I think that when things are kind of over the top or satirical, um, like you can find humor in that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> as uh, like, how do you view female characters and uh, and their placements in games? So female characters to me, I think that there's so much focus on what female characters look like and like, oh, if you make a female character look sexy or wear a bikini or whatever, oh, she's, she's a bad female character. She is just there to be sexy or blah, blah, blah. And like, really, it has nothing to do with that for me. Like, I don't mind sexy female characters. That's fine by me. More the merrier. (laughs) You know what I mean? To me, it just depends on if a character is well-rounded or if a character is like, a female character is flat. And, like, that's that's really what it comes down to. Because um, you can have... If, if that's, like, part of her, her story and how she is, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, and it, it's just, like I said, it, it's very dependent on a lot of things. Um, but, like I said, I, I feel like the first instinct a lot of people have is to say, oh, it's not feminist. It's a bad representation of women. And I don't think that inherently sexy women in games is a bad representation of women. Yeah, because... In, in this modern age, there's like there was two big controversies. Um, of course, Bayonetta two, uh, and then yeah. I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know why Bayonetta two became such a uh, about sexism and uh, feminism. Like why it became a big controversy. I'm like, you know that this is a character that had a game before, and none, no, no controversy was attached to it. So why mm-hmm. now that it's on a Nintendo console, like uh. uh you were already mad that it was going to be on a Nintendo console in the first place, exclusive. Now you mad about the characters look and it, it was just crazy. yeah. And another one was Fat Princess. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Where 
uh, the game, it's like a strategy game in a way that you gotta feed the princess cake, and as much cake that she eats, she gets big or fat because of the title, and mm-hmm. because of her weight, the other team who's trying to carry her back, it's like because she's too big and she's too heavy, it slows down so you can get her back. And that was a controversy because mm-hmm. of the premise of it. Because of the princess in that one? No, the premise. Oh, the was, premise. Oh, okay. I thought you said the princess. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's like with both of those games. With Bayonetta, I think obviously, yeah, she's a sexy character. But at the same time, I don't know. There's There's a difference between like... And I think it comes down to, like, the male gaze and kind of, you know, sexy for no reason versus sexy for herself and empowerment. And to me, that almost feels more... But like, it's, it's, so, it's so subjective. Um, but to me, I think that it's more of, like, a sexy empowerment kind of thing. Like, she's not afraid to walk out in those, like, crazy-ass heels. And, and you know what I mean? And, like, and, and do her thing. So I, I don't really think that's a bad thing. And as far as Fat Princess goes, too, I think that that's also pretty innocent. Um, yeah, you know, it's... I think that the type of games that bother me, and what's funny is I, I can't speak for Grand Theft Auto Five because I actually have it. I haven't played it. Can I can, so. I, can I tell you? Me and Jared had that conversation. Oh, did you? Um, did you talk about Grand Theft Auto games? Yes, uh, and we're going to get into it in this episode because we actually talked about female representation in Grand Theft Auto Five. But go ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, I haven't, like I said, I have not played uh, Grand Theft Auto V. And part of the reason why I haven't played Grand Theft Auto V, even though people are like, oh, it's different, it's really good, it's really good, is because I played, I beat Vice City, which was forever ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played some of San Andreas. And um, to me, it's just, I don't know, I feel like, everything shitty that you can do to minority characters is done to them. It's like, if there's a Mexican in the game, he's a drug dealer. If there's a black guy in the game, he's a thug. If there's a woman in the game, she's a prostitute. And, like, that's, like, pretty much... It's, it just puts everybody who's not, like, a white guy into these boxes where they just play the worst versions of them. Not that it's the worst versions, but I'm just saying, like, I don't know. It, it just perpetuates, like, a really narrow way of thinking. And, like, women... I mean, you don't really have, like, I can't recall in Vice City, which is the one that I played the most, like, any female character who's really not just there as, like, a sex object. Yeah, and you know? that's, and we're going to get it to Grand Theft Auto because when I get to that question, because uh, me and Jared went in, uh, but uh, we're going to move on to the second question. Uh, because of their looks, do, do we expect certain stereotypes of them? And I know I mentioned Bayonetta and Frat Princess, but... Uh, I know you mentioned that the female gotta look sexy and all of this. And it's kind of, and it's kind of weird that women dressed up, you know, in, women dressed up in Final Fantasy, uh, the universe, they make sense. Like, they're not, they're not, they're not sexy. They kind of represent a culture or the, uh, their tribe that they're in. And yeah. I don't really, and I, and when it comes to role playing games, uh, when it comes to women as stereotypes, most of the time you think of them as healers or uh, magic users. Um, yeah. But then you look at Fire Emblem and the women in there, some of them are magic, but some of them are like warriors. Like Fire Emblem mm-hmm. Awakened, like them, the, the women in that game kick tail. Yeah. 
No, I mean, that's like a really good point, too, is because I do feel like, yeah, there's a thing in Final Fantasy games to where, I mean, like, I think with the exception, and maybe this is part of the reason why she's one of my favorite characters, um, Tifa in Final Fantasy VII, she's like a brawler. I love her. I love Tifa so much. But yeah, I mean, you look at it, and it's like, you have people like Yuffie and Riku, who are more of like the roguey type characters, and, you know, um... Lots of, you know, mages and healers, like Eris, Yuna, you know, this is stuff like that. Um, you know, even, uh, oh gosh, Renoa, is that her name from 8? I can't think right now, yeah. Oh, uh, um, I'm sorry, everybody. Well, Jessica, you might not know, you might be mad at me. I hate Final Fantasy 8. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm not into it either. That's why I can't remember her name. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not, like, it's okay. It's okay. It's just not as good as, as the ones around it. Yeah. Um. I guess, and even um, Garnet or Dagger or whatever in Final Fantasy IX, she's kind of more of the roguish healer type. Like, she's uh-huh. mage slash roguey type stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you have, like, the tendency for women to kind of be non-confrontational warriors. Yeah. Um, and they're very just, like, everything about them is kind of demure, which plays into that, that uh, you know, idea of women being kind of, oh, not on the front lines, we, we take back, you know, or we take care of all the people who are doing the real fighting. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I like, um, but, like, I think it's Luna in front of Fancy Tear. I think it's Luna. Oh, Yuna. Are you, uh, she's a magic, the one, yeah. that, the golf. Oh, Lulu. Lulu. Okay. Yeah. She is amazing. She's one of my favorite female characters. I love. Oh yeah. I I, I love because she has an innocence to her, but there's nothing stereotyped about her. She was just no, like, yeah. I really, like I have to have you in my group because your magic is powerful. But she but she cares. She she has a little sarcastic side, but she's someone that I would never stereotype because I'm just no, like, absolutely. You know what's funny is Lulu, I completely agree with you. I think that Lulu is actually one of the best, probably, female Final Fantasy characters there is. Because I feel like so often, um, especially mothers, because Lulu is, you know, a mom, like she's going to have yeah. kids. Um, and, and so and mothers are definitely over, like, how many games do you have where you have a, a character who fights who's a mom? You know what I mean? Like, right. that's not that's not in-game. So, I mean, she's a mom, she's, she's caring, yet she's pretty badass you know what i mean like she has a a good relationship with waka who's totally different than her but they just you know like they just work you know what i mean um so she's she's very unique in so many regards she's a really interesting character so i'm I'm glad you brought her up yes she's she's and just let everybody know i i i I enjoy final fantasy 13 too because i think lightning is a powerful character a lot Mm -hmm. of people might feel like she's trying too hard that she's trying to be this, uh, this like strong warrior protagonist, and I think she would have been better if the gameplay was better. And Final Fantasy, yeah, I agree, and I think too um, with people saying she tries too hard to be like a strong warrior. I think that part of the reason people say that is because she is a woman. Because, like, have you ever heard anybody say that Cloud or Squall or, like, any of the tough manly guys in, in yeah. the Final Fantasy games would try too hard to be a warrior? Like, nah. It's just, it's just really lightning that people say that about. Yeah. But I think, like, I think she's one of, she's a real, like, I love lightning, too. Uh, the, the cast of Final Fantasy thirteen is iffy with me. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it's just, like, lightning is the only one that really stands out to me in that game. It, 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 it's yeah. so and it's so it's so weird. Uh, of course, I grew up with Laura Croft. Uh, I played her. I played most of her games. I didn't play because uh, when it came out on PS One, I played one and two, but I, like three and the rest of them I didn't. Uh, I know her reboot on the regular Xbox I played. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then this new reboot, like, is one of my favorite games. Like, I love uh, Tomb Raider and Rise of the Tomb Raider. And mm-hmm. it's not because of Laura being a strong character. It's just that the game is good. It plays good. Um, the fights are, are good to begin. And, you know, Laura, she, uh, she goes through all these trials. But, you know, she she's growing to be a stronger character. Mm-hmm. So, and she has to use the best uh, of her knowledge to survive. Yeah, so. no, I, I Lara Croft is is such a cool character, and I think even I like I really love the old games for PlayStation when those came out, mm-hmm. and I think she gets a lot of shit for being a uh, sexy character and stuff like that, and like wearing kind of you know short shorts and a tank top. But at the same time, like my argument here, because I I personally don't see anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think she was ever done too sexy. Like. If you're traveling around through jungles and stuff like that, you're going to want some, like, a tank top and shorts, too. Right. <laughs> you know I mean? The idea that she'd be, like, fully clothed and, like, I don't know. I, I think that I think the t- shorts and tank top thing is fine. And, like I said, I don't think that there's anything wrong with being a sexy character. I think it's, like, what, what makes it bad is when, like, the camera is, like, constantly on her boobs or, like, you know, <laughs> something like that. But well, she's still, or, or she doesn't have, like, a good personality. She's still, like, a really cool character. And, and you know, uh... Like for for me being a retro player, like when it comes to boobage, of course you know me of uh, the Final Fantasy, not Final Fantasy, uh, the Fatal Fury series, and how yeah. they just animate her and sprite. I'm like, this is a sprite based game. Like, how many of y'all <laughs> really playing the Neo Geo game for Mia? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, re- like really? I'm like, you playing the Neo J Neo G Neo Geo fighter? You know, just cause it's cheap. <laughs> you got mm-hmm. you only got four tokens, and most of the video games uh, cost 50, 50 cent or two tokens. So mm-hmm. you have to use the best, uh, your, uh, the best that's going to give you the most value. And Neo Geo was like only one token, so um, <laughs> yeah. And I, and, I, and I understand like uh, we had the Day Alive series, the yeah, Dead I say Alive. Dead Alive, the boob physics, yeah, the beach or Dead Alive. Uh, uh, Konami did. I think it's in the PS2 area era that they did like a female wrestling game uh, that kind of made the character sexy and stuff, and didn't nobody play that game. Uh, but you oh, know, is it the they had like this all female? Why can't I not think of like what it was called, like Skullgirls or something like that? Maybe Skull, that was like one. Skullgirls is the fighting game. It's the two D fighting game. That's right. It wasn't wrestling. It was just fighting. Yeah, but yeah. that's like one where they're all like really sexy. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, you know, we got BMX Triple X, uh, where they use women to shock male, I guess shock players, I won't say male players, but to get their attention to buy their game and it, it played crappy. Uh, I've never played it. I just read it in EGM magazines and I'm just like, you guys are really trying, like, when a company tries too hard to sell sexy characters or even sell sex in games, it doesn't work. It's just like, Mm-hmm. This is, this comes off as stupid. Like, well, and like that's when I was doing research for this podcast. Um, so the question that you you told me that you want to talk about today was like, um, can racism or sexism in games be overlooked if the game sells well yeah. or sells well? Um, and so I looked up um, top selling games of all time just because I wanted to kind of see like what games were on there that still kind of had. Um, 
that that did have racism or sexism that were on the list. And out of all the games on the list, like I think even the top twenty five games, uh, no, maybe it wasn't twenty five. It was it was like the top ten list is what I looked at first, and then I looked at more. Um, but the only game that was on the top ten list that had anything like that was actually Grand Theft Auto Five. Um, and like I said, I don't I don't even really know how bad Grand Theft Auto Five is in that regard because I've heard it, it it's gotten better, but I haven't played it, so I can't really say. Um, but all of the other games on there are games like Tetris or Mario, you know what I mean? Like yeah. games that are super innocent and like those are the best selling games. And so I think that that kind of goes to show that while I do believe, like I said, that people can make whatever game they want to make, um, when the consumers choose, consumers tend to choose games that are, you know, that, that don't have the racist and sexist overtones. They just want good gameplay. You know what I mean? Good gameplay and, um, more, more of that like classic fun. Yes. So uh, let's get to the third question. Uh, with the plot yeah. and location, why are we forced to fight these enemies? So um, uh, when we play like Call of Duty Modern Warfare or like Battle, uh, Battlefield, like when we play some of the first person shooters that uh, the enemies that we're fighting are like Russians or some brown people like Iranian and stuff. Or if you think of Homefront, how the Chinese invaded America and now we're fighting back and we're fighting Asia. It's just like we, we tend to make them feel like terrorists or dictatorship and stuff. And uh, because of the locations that we in, we're forced to fight these enemies. But we've, but developers never designed your character to be a Muslim or Iranian um, to fight uh, white America. You know, yeah. we, ne- we never have that. Like, Oh, no, we have a million games about, you know, a, a white male character fighting people in the Middle East, but do we have a character about, you know, a, somebody in Africa trying to fight colonists? <laughs> no, we don't have anything like that, even though that, you know, arguably, like, that's... that's Something that happened for longer—it's been—it was worse. Um, or not necessarily. I mean, you can't really judge what's worse or not, but still horrible, absolutely horrible. But you don't have like, um, you know, that kind of game. Uh, so yeah, it it, it really does suck. <laughs> That's what we have constantly. Yeah, and uh, we talk about Wolfenstein too, where you're playing as a white character and you're fighting their take on uh, Nazism, and you know how these people in real life took offense to Wolfenstein 2 and it's weird I'm just like how you taking how you taking offense to Wolfenstein 2 the Wolfenstein series been around since like the 80s or 90s on PC <laughs> yeah and you're now just noticing it and I, mm-hmm. I think it's because of the sh- social climate of now it's just like mm-hmm. you can't get mad at a video game that's still out on the that's still out on in in retail and on your preferred system that you can still buy, like, like it, it's still there, and it's kind of, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, why are you making these complaints, but you're not willing to play the game? Yeah, no, I tell, and like, and I think that that's one thing, and that's why I try. Um, you know, I've brought it multiple times. I haven't played Grand Theft Auto, so I can't talk about it. Like, and that's why I say that is because I don't want to be somebody here who's like Grand Theft Auto Five is sexist and racist and blah blah. blah because I haven't played it. Um, and the reason I haven't played it is because how other like other titles in the series have been. And so, like, it's just as a consumer, I don't really play Rockstar games, you know. And like, that's kind of you know. But at the same time, I would never like go out and talk about it and, and like try to destroy it because I haven't played it. So you know. It, it's it's kind of a, a balancing thing, you know. I, I think that 
in order to talk about things, you definitely need to play them. Um, rather than just, you know, kind of blindly tearing things down. Well, and that's why when I tear Grand Theft Auto Five, like, I talk about the gameplay mechanics. I talk about, <laughs> you know, the controls and, and other games that have done the open world genre better. But, mm-hmm. but Grand Theft, I feel like Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto sells because of the name alone. Yeah. And, I and some people get really really offended by that. I'm just like, well, if I'm pointing out these bad parts and they're not fixing them, there's no need to be mad about it. You're overlooking that stuff and you're mm-hmm. accepting it because if I talk to people about Grand Theft Auto Five or really pretty much any Grand Theft Auto, tell let's have a dialogue about the story. Let's have a dialogue about the characters. No one majority of people that I talk to can't tell me none of that. But if we talk yeah. about if we talk about sleeping dogs, if we talk about Saint Sproul, if we talk about Breath of the Wild, like if we talk about other stuff that's kind of in the open world genre, we could talk about story and characters and what we did. We really can't we can't really can't do that about Grand Theft Auto because mm-hmm. um me I me when me and Jared was talking, it was just like you pay fifty or sixty dollars to get this game to put a cheat in to do to show off what stupid stuff you could do, and to me, <laughs> yeah. that's a waste of money. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. So, uh, so uh, the next question: uh, Russians and Iranians in first-person shooters seem to be used for a while. Do you think it's fair for them to be seen in that manner? To uh, what was the first part of it? Oh, Russians and Iranians and first person shooters. Um, yeah, they seem to be used for a while. Like f- uh, when they when they got past the World War Two game army games, and first person shooters were using like Russians and Iranians mm-hmm. uh, for their game as the as the plot. Um, do you think it was fair? Uh, because it's just like other people around the world got to play this and you're yes. forced to be this white player. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, I think that, you know, and it's just because the American game, like Western games tend to be made for like that American audience. And I think one of the, I mean, one of the biggest sellers um, just in games period, one of the, the most titles like made in this genre is war, like war sells, conflict sells. Um, yes. And it's very easy to unite people and to and to try to get the most amount of sales you can by looking for like a common enemy. So if you're making a game for Americans, you're making a game about war, you want to gather as many people as you can, it's easy to look for, um, you know, a target that's kind of persecuted already in the media. So in our case right now, that's, you know, our distrust towards Russians and Middle Easterners, you know what I mean? Um, and... Do I think it's fair? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I under, like I guess I understand it socially, but at the same time, when you have so many people who maybe not as many, um, you know, Russian players. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how many, but I know that there are, you know, as far as like Middle Eastern and it, players and Black players and Hispanic players, there are so many. They make up so much of like the the people playing video games. Um, and when you're constantly shown in a negative light or only as a side character, mm. um, no, it's not fair. It sucks. You know, like there, there should be more representation for everybody. I'm not saying that, you know, cause I think people are like, Oh, well you just want to police games if you have that kind of viewpoint. That's not what I'm saying. People have the right to make whatever game they want to, you know, make, right. but it does suck when like, that's kind of the role that people are put into, um, despite, you know, 
being the main character in their own lives, you know, and being just as important as the next person and making up so much of, you know, the people playing games. Yeah, because, like, the airport level in uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare yeah. 2, where yeah. it was, the controversy was that you're actually shooting up the airport as a, they make you as a Russian player. And uh, you can't skip it and everything. And I think they ended up putting that, uh, I, I think Jared said it was a patch that they put in. Like, you don't really have to play that level. But I remember that being some big controversy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, okay, so you're complaining about um, this level because you're shooting up an airport, but you've been shooting Russians and all of this other stuff throughout the whole game, and you say nothing. And it's, and it's kind of weird when, definitely when the news media show stuff like that. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, mass, the mass effect or the... Uh, the mass of sex or something that that new that Fox News was trying to portray and that yeah. woman got crucified for her book and it was just like stuff like this that you're trying to be like well my child would never play it first of all why are you buying a game that's for 17 and older for <laughs> yeah. a kid that's lesser second of all have you played the Mass Effect game because you got to understand the gameplay and the effects like if you put uh if you put mass effect in a lot of parents hands nowadays they would not know what to do you can show mm-hmm. cutscene anytime you want but sean hannity i want you to pick up a controller and go through a mission of of mass effect because in order to get to where you got to make that decision you actually got to play the game yeah no, and I think, like, especially because it, it's crazy right now because um, games have kind of come back into news as being, you know, ever since Trump was like, oh, you know, this is the reason there's been shootings and stuff like that. It's video games. Video games are causing violence. Like, that's been brought back into the media. And it's crazy because, I mean, that's been an ongoing debate since, like, the 70s, you know, like, when they first started talking about arcade games and causing violence and stuff. And every single time it's kind of, you know, disproven. But um, it just sucks because especially now, I think that... Um, more and more people make video games for the sake of telling a really beautiful story and for art and for Mm -hmm. having um and for getting an emotional reaction and maybe even teaching people a little bit you know like kind of instilling morals and empathy i know for me as somebody who's played video games my whole life like i definitely feel that um i've gained empathy and, and creativity and like a lot of very valuable qualities from playing video games um, so it sucks when you see, um, especially series like the Mass Effect series, where they take one violent part out, or Miranda's butt, and they say, oh, this is the game, this is how the game is, you know, the game's violent, the game's sexual, you can have sex in Bioware games, so they're horrible, you know, sexy games. Like, sex and violence are a part of life, and like, but there's such smaller parts of Mass Effect yeah. that it, in a game that tells a really wonderful story, it has a lot of, um, poses a lot of questions for us to think about, and a lot of moral choices, and kind of opens our minds a bit so it's when you take those little parts out and you showcase those and you try to demonize something it's really disheartening right and and i think a a little kid who plays mass effect will walk away from that game because it's slow pace they may they may not be into sci-fi they may not be into the gameplay mechanics they might die a lot and not understand the different mechanics like mass effect was designed for older players to tell a brand story a seven or eight year old is not gonna know anything about that. Like they have to play thirty five plus some hours, I guess, to see boo. But I'm just like, well, they could spend twenty five seconds on the computer that or on the <laughs> iPod in their room, and you wouldn't even know. 
Yeah, no, amazing point. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's not like you just go on to Mass Effect and it's just like, boobs everywhere. Like, that's not what it is. It's like, it's part of the story. That, and you, you, like you said, you have to put like 35 hours into that to even get to that. You know what I mean? Right. And like, so. and I, and I, <laughs> me and Jen, uh, I was wondering about like, uh, the gay Tony from, uh, Grand Theft Auto 4, where they have the, uh, like, penis in it that you can see on, on uh, I guess on Gay Tony. And it's just like, okay, so what little kid is going to get this DLC and, you know, be confused or shocked that they see uh, the video game penis on it? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, no, I mean, if anything, like, I f- the statistically, the people who play Grand Theft Auto are men. They've seen penises anyway. <laughs> you know what much. I mean? Yeah. So, and like, you see, you see so much boobs and cleavage and, and butt, or like the outline of butts in games. Like, let's, let's take, you know, little steps towards equality. Show some penises. I don't care. <laughs> right. And, uh, we, we, we tackled the airport level of Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare mm-hmm. 2. Um, cause I, I personally don't, I don't think it was needed because Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 as a character jumped you around and they never set you as one character. Just like mm-hmm. let me just be one character, do this mission, and go for it. Yeah, and that kind of happened even with Battlefield Three. Just like you're being interrogated, now you're jumping around to all these places. I'm just like, I'm playing a flashback to get to the main point where the game starts, and it's just like, why? Just just tell a story without having yeah, to, just having to do that. No, and I think, like, I mean, when you say, I think that you can do the flashback thing in a pretty cool way. Like, Persona 5, for me, I think that game is super cool with, like, how you're being interrogated and it's a flashback. And then you break in, like, you finally catch up, like, you know, in, what, like, October or November. Um, You know, you catch up to where you started that flashback. And I I think that's a cool way of doing it. But um, especially with shooters and stuff like that and things that don't really have, like, this... I mean, Persona 5 is, what, like, a 67, you know our game um yes. you could easily put 100 hours into that in, in one playing um but with things that are like shooters and are faster paced like it, it does get a little convoluted when you jump around that much yeah uh so we're going now this is the grand theft auto question uh grand theft auto crime written morals is based on stereotypes is it comforting to enjoy caucasians and other races playing grand theft auto san andreas or just the gta series and I put should have been uh, black developers making that game uh, when it came to San Andreas. Uh, but do you think that there, do you think the Grand Theft Auto series needs to be developed by different teams? Now, I'm, I want to tackle the first one. Uh, do you think it was, it was fine uh, that white people were playing Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and you know, you're hearing the N-word 50 million times and all these cuss words and they're trying to represent gang life, but it's just like, you know, this was written by white people, right? Yeah. So, okay, I think with San Andreas, because I played that one a little bit and was, and you bring it up and like honestly, those are the things that kind of made me uncomfortable with it. It's because I felt like um, this wasn't written by somebody who like kind of knew this lifestyle. It was written by somebody emulating it, you know, what they thought of it. Um, so it, it's just kind of, it was kind of a weird experience playing that. Um, I think that it is valuable for white people to play games like that, but I think that I 100% agree with you that it should be made by like a black development team, you know what I mean? Or at least yeah. like people should be brought in and kind of talk to you like, oh, Bruce, stop. <laughs> 
Um, but people should be kind of talked to about it and, and say, okay, what, what's your experience? Like what, cause it's, it's just, it's oversimplified and it's, it's, I don't know. Uh, it, it'd be, it'd be more valuable as a learning experience for white people if they really got to empathize and understand what black people go through. Because then I'd be like, okay, we made this. We want you to understand what it's like. It, it, um, it feels, it, it's like, well, now that we have this time, like, if you go back and look at San Andreas and read the interviews and stuff, you know, they visit, like, uh, you know, the West the west Side and Compton, and they watch the movies and they listen to the music and stuff. But then you look at Mafia 3, who, like, some of the, some of the developers were black who made that game. You could kind of tell the difference. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I hold Mafia 3 at a higher standard than uh, San Andreas. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you're trying to capture a moment uh, of of a city and trying to feel for that style, but Mafia Three is just like you can actually recognize that man. Black people did go through a lot of stuff like this, you know, yeah. Like like the gang, the fake gang stuff and the twists and all of that stuff that really doesn't happen. So that's very fictional. But I'm just mm-hmm. like, when you get a mission that you get to burn the KKK and you got to deal with them and you walk between white people, white women and they holding their purse and stuff and, and you visually see that, like that holds more weight nowadays than what Grand Theft Auto San Andreas would in the past. Absolutely. And like, I don't know much about Mafia 3, but just hearing you describe that, like, yeah, like that's kind of what, you know, and, and you mentioned like with, with San Andreas, they say the N word and stuff like that. And I feel like, with San Andreas, it never really seems like they took it as, like, a learning experience mm-hmm. for white people or, like, even a way to showcase kind of, like, the black experience in America. Um, it was more just, like, this would be kind of a fun concept. Let's do it. Like, let's let's add in gangs and, and we can, and, and, like, this is kind of, rep- you know, representing people, but not really. You know what I mean? So it's, like, if you take it from the standpoint, and it sounds like Mafia 3 does with, like, you know, dealing with white women holding their purses and stuff like that, and, like, make it to where, like, you really kind of feel that and you're, like, oh, man, this is fucked up. Like, and, and you're not seeing it as, like, oh, this is cool. Um, I think that games like that can be a really cool tool for society. Um, because like Sleeping Dogs does a great job, you know, using mm-hmm. the Asian character and using the Asian cast, and it has a mafia yakuza feel to it. Um, yeah, but it's like it's authentic. It, it, yeah, you know, and it's I'm like it, first of all, it's a great game to play and a great story that's told. Like I love the voice acting, I love the martial arts and uh, all the gang, not gang, but all the shootings and stuff. And mm-hmm. like the levels connect, and the story makes sense. Where I feel like with Grand Theft Auto Five, uh, you know, we, we we talk about women in that game, and they don't have no role in that. Their mm-hmm. st- their role and their stereotype is bang a dude to give him health back and yeah and your option to kill her to get your money back or or you know try to do that as a cycle and it's just like why is that the only only portrayal like women are uh strippers in the game or they're prostitutes like yeah as, as male developers like why have they not why can they not make a female protagonist or really have a strong female role yeah in, it's in like you know games. i would say like i don't even care if like the the protagonist is male like whatever you know what i mean but it's like 
if a woman could be like maybe his mom you know or something something right. like that or like like have like a, a, a strong role or be like a girlfriend or be a friend or be somebody who is also kind of a part of the team like just any sort of level where it feels like a woman is being treated equally and not just, I mean, like I said, I played Vice City and I remember playing Vice City and, um, I was a lot younger, obviously, cause it was like when it came out. Mm. Um, and to me, like everything was just kind of goofy and fun and whatever. And you don't really think about it too much when you're younger, you know? Um, but you don't realize like, especially as like a young girl, how kind of fucked up it is to have the viewpoint of like, okay, this is what you do with the women. You drive around, they get in your car, your car moves around because you're, you know, having sex. Like, and I remember as a kid, you're just like, haha, like, that's kind of funny. Like, I can't believe this isn't a game. Um, but you think about it, it's like, wow, that's incredibly messed up. Like, that, that's, that, that's the entire role that women play in this. Bruce, come here. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's and it's just it's kind of just damaging. I feel like, and it, it especially it's really hard. I think for girls, um, especially when you grow up more as a tomboy or more as somebody who likes video games, um, you kind of feel the pressure to not identify as a feminist. You're like, oh well, I'm just one of the guys too. Like I, I like games. I like this stuff. You know, like I, I don't. We're treated equally. Like it's it's so hard to kind of really identify as, as that because you feel so much pressure from other sources. Um, but then I feel like you get older and you kind of realize, you're like, wow, like the way we're treated and, and a lot of me, a lot of things that I enjoy, comic books, um, movies, games, um, it just sucks. And it's not that I don't love these things, but you it, get it, older and you, you see the problems. It, it, makes, it makes you feel that female characters and their roles in games is so one-noted. You know, yeah. They're, they're not, and it feels like the developers who are making the games, whether it is female or male, is that... It is so paint by the numbers that mm-hmm. I'm just like, when can you start designing something creative and different? When can a, like, yes, Saints Row the Third, okay, you can select the female to be the leader of of the game, uh, of the Saints, and and do all the same stuff. But I'm just like, this is more of a character model. Like, yeah. you can switch between mellow. You can switch between the male or your female character, but you do the same actions. You say the same words. The voices are different. The clothing is different. The look is different because you, you're mostly creating your character. But they, but it's just a character swap. Where I think something like and and I just play uh, uh not heavily rain um Hellblade and yeah I think, I think that is such a strong narrative even though it's dealing with mental health you like i love the way that uh ninja theory has used her as a female character oh where- I'm, I'm so glad you brought hellblade hellblade is serious it's my game of the year from last year i absolutely love that game i love the narrative i love senua i love like all of the messages that drive home in that game so i i love that you bring that up because yeah i agree yeah I, I brought it for uh playstation 4 last year and no uh, actually this year because it was on sale i had too much to play last year and then uh, (laughs) when it it came for xbox one i was just like yes i have to buy this game and so i got it for both systems i'm gonna be playing it uh both of them um and i love how the fact that when you like try to put the camera on her face she turns around so she don't so you don't see her Mm -hmm. like that was not like Ninja Theory got creative not only with the premise of that game, but with uh, Sienna, uh Sweet. I can never say her name right. <laughs> oh yeah, it's kind of a weird one. It's Senua. Senua. Uh, uh, with Senua, it's just like 
they did so much with her. And I think, yeah. I, I think Rockstar doesn't pay attention to that. Mm-mm. Um, I, I, and I will, I always give Rockstar credit about Max Payne 3. I think that's their, like, one of their best games of, of all time because of this narrative that they're telling. The, the, the story connects, uh, and you just, you enjoy it for what it is. And it mm-hmm. doesn't, and it doesn't treat women bad in that game. Yes, you can't, you're not going to shoot any women. Uh, but like when you look at the story, you kind of understand like the stuff that goes on and, and it's mm-hmm. a, and it's a great game. And I was just like, okay, Rockstar, I understand how you are using women. But when Grand Theft Auto 6 come out, it's going to be that same representation of women in that game that they're just strippers mm-hmm. and they're prostitutes to give you health back. And I, and I, I think they should lose points on that. No, I completely agree. You know, like, I mean, it's a big component of what makes a game. A game isn't just, you know, the gameplay and, and it, like, it, there, there's a lot more to it. And I think that, you know, when a game makes you feel kind of emotionally gross, you know what I yeah. mean, because of, because of how it treats characters, like, that's definitely a deterrent for me. And if there's so much of, like, this weird focus on somehow having objective reviews, which is not possible. <laughs> you know, reviews are always going to be subjective to what yes. to what the person thinks. Um, you can try to be fair, you know, and, and I think that's nice. But at the same time, like, it's completely valid for somebody to criticize a game because of how characters are treated and things like that. I, I think that's a valid criticism. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like Grand Theft Auto will... Women won't be represented in that game until there's women developers making that yeah. game. So they're writing the characters and stuff like that. Because I think what's going to happen, I think what happens with when it comes to Grand Theft Auto, they need that original team to make that game because it's going to make Rockstar 2K sell. And yeah. that's bad. And to me, that's bad because it's just like, mm-hmm. well, you're using the, first of all, you're using these stereotypes and but you just using these stereotypes that we just overlook. It it doesn't make it doesn't make no sense that you gotta still keep using these stereotypes to get your game sold. You know, and, and like I I, can, I agree with that. I, you know, like they they do use the same team to to just because like they have a formula. You know what I mean? Like they know what works. But at the same time, and you know, I think we just saw this obviously very different kind of thing. But like with Breath of the Wild last yes. year. Um, sometimes the formula starts to kind of die and you have to change things. And so, um, my hope is, is that companies like that will kind of realize and then maybe hopefully like incorporate different voices into their, their, you know, development companies and stuff like that. Um, so that you do get more of a, a, a perspective that you wouldn't normally see. Cause I think that, you know, while the reigning thing right now, what might be, um, you know, white, male protagonist in their mid-twenties, you know, with brown hair and brown eyes, you know, like, that's, yeah. that's, like, what everybody looks like. Um, I think that we're seeing more and more of a push towards uh, different types of people being represented, and, and really the biggest thing is just it's what the consumers buy. Um, you know, you kind of have to put your money with what you believe, and, and that's part, part of the reason why I won't, you know, buy Grand Theft Auto games and stuff like that. I, I'm not a huge Rockstar supporter, because I don't think right now that they have, like, a very healthy view of um, women in different minorities. Um, you know, and, and something that I foresee kind of happening in Grand Theft Auto, to be completely honest, mm-hmm. is um, they're going to do the complete opposite. So, like, right now they have 
um, this really kind of shitty view of women as far as being prostitutes and stuff like that. And I feel like the thing that we've seen in Hollywood and kind of a natural trend is they go the complete opposite way. And they're like, okay, we have to make the most badass woman ever. She's not going to have any feelings. Like, she's just a badass female character. Um, and, like, that's also, it's just lazy writing. Like, it's, it's bouncing from one yes. style of lazy writing where you give them no, like, no, nothing. Or you just make them super one-sided, flat, you know, tough-as-nails female character, and that's all you do. You don't really get a whole lot of dimension. And that's what makes games like Hellblade um, or even, like, the new Tomb Raider series. Like, you have somebody who has a little bit more of a personality. You know what I mean? And, and I think uh, uh, we, we talked about Dan Darwin for a little bit where... To me, that's like the first Af- female African American has ever been in the game that you play as, um, mm-hmm. uh, without having to create a character. And I think I'm like stuff like this. Yeah, it might have some gameplay problems, but I'm just like I love that this game was just even made so so people could pick it up and just be like, wow, you guys not only designed uh, this game. But you were willing to take a female, uh, African American female, as the main character, and you know, let yeah, her, and let her have her adventure. And whether she has a personality or whether she has a backstory, if we're able to like learn and have a dialogue, and we demand or talk about that, we want more of that. Hopefully, the game developers can see it because, of course, the indie space is changing game. It's just changing the game industry and altogether. A lot of AAA titles are are just so pink by the numbers that they're going to die. Their way of designing games and making characters is going to die out. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah, I think like one game that I wish it was a little bit better I had fun with it, but it just wasn't quite all the way there is Remember Me, and that had also like a black female character as the lead, I believe yeah, um, I had that for PlayStation 3 and I need to uh, hook my PlayStation 3 up <laughs> Yeah, I had it for PS3 too, and I'm, I'm the same way I think mine, mine need to like die I need to get a new PlayStation 3 um, but I played that one a bit and like that game is, is pretty fun, it has some cool like I kind of wish that they would do a sequel or something because I think mm-hmm. it was one of those things that could have been a cool series if they would have just perfected some things yeah. Um, but yeah like and I really loved um, her as a main character too because she kind of, she was she's different you know what I mean um, so it's, you know it's, it's something that I think that we're going to get more but um, we'll see, <laughs> hopefully yeah. and before we get to the next question uh, we, uh uh, me and Jared, we talked about survival horror and oh, yeah. how so when it comes to survival horror, female characters are usually the protagonists. Um, not so much as like, well, Resident Evil has some female protagonists. And, uh, you know, if you look at the Fatal Frame series, that that's always female protagonists with their uh-huh. camera. Like, and my thing was, it's just like, female protagonists in survival horror or horror games and even movies in in, uh, general is that because they're a female they're they're supposed to be scared and fearful but they gotta Mm -hmm. fight to work through that to show Mm -hmm. how powerful that they could be and overcome and I don't know how you view like survival horror games no what's funny is so I have a friend, and, I, and she's, like, one of my best friends, and she is an absolute, like, horror movie, like, buff. She loves horror movies. Um, she likes horror-style games. Um, and we had a conversation about what's so funny is that one of the, the genres that best treats women 
Um, and, and don't get me wrong, like, sometimes it treats women awfully as far as, like, oh, it's the first woman who has sex who's always killed off, you know what I mean? Well, that's, um, that's pretty much Until Dawn, in a sense. Yeah, 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 Until Dawn, like, to me, I, I love Until Dawn. It's, it's such a fun game. Um, but I think that horror and survival horror games um, actually do treat women pretty well, um, surprisingly. Um, like, I noticed that, and I think that it's because... Um, when you have like a woman protagonist, they're they're smaller, they're more um, demure, they're more like frail. Like that's kind of like the general, you know, how you picture them. So when they overcome that and they're like the sole survivor, um, it it just like there's a lot more of a journey to take with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it's cool that you bring that up. I think it's a really good point, and I totally forgot that I had that conversation with her. But um, yeah, even even in movies, I feel like. It's generally, um, they, they have, like, this, this female character that they usually treat pretty well. It would be nice if they didn't make um, certain other female characters, because like, there's always, like I said, like, the slutty cheerleader type thing, yeah. like, and that's made fun of in, like, Until Dawn, and, like, uh, Cabin in the Woods is, like, a movie that kind of does that, uh, like, the tropes that you typically see. Yeah, and, um, and they, they should break away from that, but... Yeah, because normally, like, the black community, <laughs> we see a black person in a horror movie, we're just like, okay, they're going to die first, or they're yeah. going to die second. And it's yeah. just like, uh, I'm just like, what? these casts of characters are not friends. You should yeah. put it together for the, for them to feel rose. And oh, yeah, they do do that constantly. It's like they'll have, like, one black person, one female, like, one white man. Why, you know, it's, 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 it's like people who, like, probably wouldn't be together, but they're there for, like, just diversity's sake, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it'd be cool to have, like, a more authentic friend group where you, like, feel you're like, okay, this feels, like, real. Yeah, so uh, we're going to move on because uh, you might have a lot to say about this one. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, Horizon Zero Dawn deals with diversity and hate and so very well in the millions. Since many felt it handled it correctly, would that be the right way to show racism and stereotypes? Or um, uh, discrimination is what J- uh, Jared said, and I like that better. Uh, a right way to show discrimination and stereotypes being addressed. Like, I think that... I'm going to let you answer that because I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so what's funny about Horizon Zero Dawn, so many games came out last year that I really only put, like, probably four or five hours into Horizon because it was just one of those games that didn't, like, super grab me. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's funny is, like, so I talked about, like, kind of, like, oh, sorry, my dog is whining. <laughs> so um, I talked about um, how one of, like, the remedies to having weak female characters is people make characters that are kind of, like, overly strong. Don't, and, like, to me, that's kind of how I felt Aloy was. Oh, she didn't, really? like, yeah, like, I, I wasn't super into her personality, to be honest. So it was kind of hard for me to um, to get into that game series. Um, so when you're talking about racism, do you mean, because I, I honestly, I didn't get that far. So I guess I'll have you talk first. And, well, uh- discrimination more than racism I think I'm just using racism because of the topic um, because of how Alloy uh, where she came from and how the oh yeah her, yeah like even though you know she's a redheaded uh, girl um, or I, I guess redheaded white girl uh, you know the, the different tribes and stuff view her different and you got yeah. the first part where you're in the training thing and that boy is being mean to her. Uh, mm-hmm. and but you know, it but you befriend this black woman, uh this black girl and 
uh, I don't want to go further into that until you get to it. Uh, like, multiple things happen. And it's just like, wherever she goes, the reason why she's proving herself to be strong is because she's trying to change the mind of discrimination. And, yeah. And, and, you know, change that stereotype. And with them dealing with gay characters, with them de- dealing with race, different races as tribes and stuff like that, Guerrilla Games handled that so well because you look mm-hmm. at Guerrilla Games, you think of Killzone. And yeah. Th- that's a shooter that, with their own take of, of Nazis, but with a, like a different kind of frame. But then you see them do something like Horizon Zero Dawn, and it's just like you guys not only thought about your characters and making pretty graphics, because when you look at Horizon Zero Dawn, if you look at the trailers, all you think about is I get to fight these huge robotic dinosaurs and animals. Yeah, no, it's it's a a, gorgeous game, and the gameplay's fun. Yeah, and it's deeper than that, and I don't think Mm -hmm. I, I don't think anybody has realize that or talked about that that you'd be like wow you guys really went into the story to deal with discrimination and diversity and that doesn't be that's not a sony cannot sell that they have to sell on the gameplay and what you could do and it's kind of sad to see that no i mean that honestly it's making me want to pick it up and play it tonight um you, you know just talking about it um like, no, I remember, like, one of the scenes from Horizon, like, oh, and it really made me feel, is when she's, um, it's when she's young, it's, like, towards the very beginning of the game, yes. and she's picking berries, and she tries to give the berries to the little kid, because she's just trying to help, she just wants to be a part of it, mm-hmm. and, like, the kid is kind of, like, okay, and then the mom grabs the kid and is like, no, 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 we, we don't talk to her. And, like, that to me is heartbreaking because it's one thing when you have, you know, somebody of this, like, a peer kind of be um, discriminative yeah. or discriminatory. Um, but it's another thing when you have, like, because, I mean, you typically view, like, moms and, and female, like, older characters, like, they're just nice and gentle. And so, like, when you see um, this this older, you know, this mom kind of be like, no, no, she's trash, you know, don't talk to her. It hurts because, you know, it's she doesn't have a mother figure to look up to. So, I mean, she's she's just trying to be a part of this life. And um, for somebody who's supposed to be, like, a, a nurturing person to kind of shoot her down, it's heartbreaking. Um, and I think it does kind of give you kind of a glimpse into discrimination right there because it is the people who, you know, who you wouldn't think, especially, like, if you're a white person, you know, you don't think of those people kind of being that way. Yeah. Um, but it gives you a glimpse. And you're like, oh, man, like, that is messed up. And there are people who you, you think are kind, nurturing <laughs> people who who have those kind of views it's, it sucks it's awful right. and uh, uh i talk about iconoclast uh how they kind of deal with they they deal with racism at one point but they also deal with discrimination and it deals a lot with religion and it's just like religion in that game it seems that uh if they if they think that you're doing something wrong, that you're sinning. And because of the, you doing those sins, they have to kill you. Or they have to do something hurtful to you to show the, mm-hmm. remind the people that, hey, if you do this sin, we're going to get you. And don't think we're not watching. And even though it's a great Metroid, uh, not, re- not so much as a Metroidvania, but a great Metroid-style st- game um, mm-hmm. with, with its jokes and everything, you kind of see that 
the the ruthless part of this belief. And yeah. you know, we don't normally get that in games because when it comes to re- when it comes to religion in games, uh the stereotypes that come with religion is that it's actually evil. That their mm-hmm. their narrative it, their narrative is has two faces to it. That they're trying to get the people and spread this joy and make them a believer in everything, but you don't see the politics and the and uh the evil within that religion or belief uh or that group that's that that goes in. Like uh you know uh there I think it's Zen it might be Xenogears. Um in Japan they had like a crucifixion of these like little rabbit things and they had to take that out in for the America version. Um or they had to do something with it because it's just like people in America who are Christians who sees that they're seeing that the Japanese are using this as their take, using it just as something that don't have no part uh, in their culture. And so it yeah. can be themed offensive to Christians in the world and stuff. But so that's why when you play games that have this like fake religion and that's seen as the evil thing in the game, it's kind of mm-hmm. weird because, you know, I don't know if Christians feel upset about that or do or do they understand why it was put into the game because i think people who are religious or i think people who are religious need to play iconoclast and uh to understand why the story is developed in that way um i mean anyone can play but i i like i like how the developer um was able to handle this story and this, this religion, and j- just like Guerrilla Games, they were able to handle uh, Aloy and the discrimination. Because this is like wherever she goes, no matter what she's do, they're going to view her in the light until she proves herself. Yeah, yeah. It's like I mean, you're set up to already have like the world against you. Right. <clears throat> um, I, I haven't played a kind of class. Um, I've heard it's really good though. That's one that just came out this year, right? Yes. It yeah, so it's kind of like Metroid, like the cartoony art. Yeah, it, yeah. it looked really cool. I'll have to play that. Yeah, it came out uh, right. Valentine Celeste came out and Celeste. Kind oh, of, yeah, Celeste kind of overshadowed it. Yeah, was I was gonna say I bought Celeste. <laughs> that one, I, I like that game. It's hard, but it's really cool. But yeah, I, I saw it kind of class. I just haven't played it. I'll have to pick that up. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're gonna move on. Then um, Resident Evil Five was controversial and it sold very well. Yeah. Resident Evil Four dealt with uh Hispanish or Hispanic community, and not mm-hmm. one controversy came from it. What are your thoughts on it? So yeah, because it's like yeah, it's it's a good it's a good point. It's it's a really good point. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird, like the stuff that catches on and and is you know talked about. Versus the things that aren't, because they are very similar. Um, I think the biggest thing with maybe Resident Evil 5 is that um, there were parts of, like, where the people who, or I guess the zombies you were shooting, were very, like, tribal. Like, I remember when you go into, um, like, the village and they have, you know, the, the big shields and the and the men in face paint and stuff like that. And I think that that maybe rubbed people the wrong way because it gives kind of, like... 
and I don't really like the word primitive, but like that's kind of what they were going for is like that primitive view of like being lesser than, um, you know, where I feel like in, in four with, you know, going into Spain and stuff like that, you didn't really have it. It, it still seemed fairly modern. <clears throat> okay. um, so uh, we're going to move on from that one because <laughs> we only got two more questions. Uh, oh, I know yeah. you just got back from school and everything. Um, <laughs> fine. Do we demand better representation of video games, or do we accept what is offered as the norm? I think that there's a there's kind of a middle ground there. I think that um, what we can do is um, I I think that it's not our place to threaten developers or say like, oh, you know, you you need to hire these people or you need to do that because like we can't control the actions that other people take. Um, I think that what we should do is, as people who consume video games, as people who, you know, like you and I who do podcasts, or I'm sure there's a lot of people who do podcasts who are listening, um, or who write about games, I think that it's kind of our job to, to say how we feel about things. Um, you know, there's pressure from some people, oh, well, if you don't like it, don't play it, don't talk about it, you know. I don't think that we can completely ignore things. Yeah. I think that it's important to have all of our voices out there and to say, hey, you know, this is how I feel. Maybe the gameplay is fun, but I don't like how it treats women. I don't like how it treats black people. Um, because that's important. You know, we, we have a right to say it. Like I said, we don't have a right to be mean or hostile or make demands of a company. But, um, you know, if, if they're going to put out what they want to create, we can put out what words we want to, you know, share with people. Yeah. Um, and I think that consumers vote with their money. You know what I mean? If, if you... If you want to support somebody um, because you like the games they make or you like that their development team has an actual, like, diverse, you know, group of people, um, then we buy their games and, and we pay for stories that, that are different. And I think that, you know, an example would be Hellblade, who I mean, Ninja Theory did not expect Hellblade to sell nearly as well as it did. But it came out and it kicked ass because yeah. people really liked what they did. Um, and we're seeing more and more of that. And I think that just as long as, um, you know, as, as journalists and people who enjoy video games, we talk about them, we share our feelings without being afraid of sharing those or making, or people making us feel like because we have these feelings, we're bad or social justice warriors, whatever they want to say. Um, you know, I, I think that there can be change there. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we're going to get to the last question. Um, what would you like to change and what options can you offer? Hmm, okay, so what I would like to change in games, um, I think, and, and something that I really liked about, you know, I keep talking about Hellblade, but like I said, Hellblade was like my game of the year last year, um, I loved how they talked about mental health, I loved how um, they had a character who was a woman, but she wasn't just a strong, so, like, she had faults, she had, like, I mean, she had a mental illness, and it was cool to see somebody who wasn't just, um, I'm a strong female character, I'm gonna do my thing, or like, I'm a, I'm a female character and I'm a whore in this game, you know, because like, that's the two sides of it, it was different to have somebody who has flaws and kind of has a story, um, to really tell. And so I, I love that. Um, I think we need more people of color as the protagonist in games, you know, especially like, gosh, I don't even know what percentage of um, Hispanic people end up making up, uh, you know, like video game players, but I know it's insanely high and it's yes. actually like one of the least represented groups. Um, and so, you know, I, I feel like that's really cool. Um, one of my favorite games too is Overwatch, and I think that's something that's so cool about Overwatch is you have like this huge, diverse pool of, of characters to pick from. So there's really uh. not only is there a fighting style for everyone, but there's like a person for everyone. You know what I mean? Yes. 
And so I, I love having options. I think that that's, that's really cool. And I think Blizzard does a great job with, you know, Overwatch is not a game for me. Uh, but eventually I'm going to end up picking it up because of who I play with and stuff. They want me to get into <laughs> the value Royale and kind of the Overwatch things. And I'm just like, no, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I need narrative. I need characters. I need conflict. I need something yes. that we talk. I was, I'm the same way as you. Uh, until I'm not a multiplayer person really um like i the most i played multiplayer before playing overwatch was like i like getting drunk and playing mario kart or super smash <laughs> with my friends you know like that's like that was my multiplayer experience is like sitting on a couch drinking with people and and that kind of thing um but overwatch is like one of the first multiplayer games that ever like struck me and and made me really want to play and it's crazy because there's like no story, but the lore is so good that it makes you feel a connection to the uh-huh. characters. You feel like there's a story. The voice lines are good. Like, the comics you can read on the side are good. Um, all of the characters are just really charming. Um, and so, like, that that drew me in. And I think that it draws a lot of people in for, like, the same reason. It's like, you just feel like there's one character that you kind of grasp onto, and you're like, I like this person. You know, like, I... You know, it's, it's it's a cool game series. It really is. Um, or not series, just one, but cool game. <laughs> I, I promised somebody that I was going to buy it, so I got to pick it up. I'm, I'm going to get it off on one uh, because I got some friends uh, who want to play it, and they're going to be shocked that I get it because they, they try to get me to do PUBG, and I'm just like, no. Overwatch, I'll do PUBG. PUBG, PUBG isn't worth it to me, to be honest. Like, I feel like Fortnite is so similar, and it's free. Like, just play Fortnite. <laughs> Well, everybody, that is the show. Uh, Jessica, did you want to plug anything? Um, sure. Like I said, uh, like I said earlier, Kiss Kiss Game Game is where you can find my find me podcasting. I podcast with my fiance Andrew. Talk about video games and relationships, and uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at KKGG Podcast. Um, and then if you want to follow me, it's just at J S K U H O W A R D. So it's like Jessica Howard is one word. Yes, it's kind of a weird one. And everybody, they do have a Patreon, so go and support them if you're interested. Um, thank you, Jessica. I, I have another guest lined up, <laughs> so I'm sorry oh, I'm yeah. cutting this short. No, no, you're so, totally fine. Thank you so much for having me on. It was so cool talking to you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, so, everybody, this is part two of um, the discussion of the uh, race, the cam racism and stereotypes be overlooked because of good game sales. I know we kind of jump around some other things, but I have two more guests coming in, so do look out for part three and look out for part four. Um, I want to hear what you guys think about uh, females in games, like like their stereotypes and stuff like that. You guys can email the show at myop2comment at yahoo.com uh, That's M-Y-O-P the number two, C-O-M-M-E-N-T at yahoo.com. You you can follow me on Twitter at ThatBritchCo, and you can check more of Optional Opinion on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and other podcast apps. Once again, thank you, Jessica. Oh, this was such a great discussion. <laughs> it, really it was. was. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. And I cannot wait to listen to the series. It's going to be so cool. Oh, yes, and I will have, have, I will have you and your fiancé back because I want to get into relationships because i know um everybody talk about unrequired love and they talk about mario and uh and uh princess speech but i kind of want to talk about uh gay love not being in games yeah no i would absolutely love to talk about that and we'll have to have you on kiss kiss game game too get a little crossover going on yes 
Yes. <laughs> so with that, everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend whenever you hear this podcast. And we will check you later. Bye.